in partnership with The Morning Chalk Up and part of The Morning Chalk Up Podcast Network, this is the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. My name is Scott Schweitzer. I am your host and the Clydesdale. My friends are Amy Radowski, Charlie Odie, and Kat Shear. We are here to bring you the best interviews with the biggest personalities in the fitness world and CrossFit from all over the world. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and write a review. It's such a big help to our podcast. And with that, we're on to this week's episode of the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. RX Mark Your Jump Ropes, the best jump ropes in the business. Our title sponsor and such great support from them. You can get your RX Mark Your Jump Ropes by going to rxmarkgear.com. At checkout, use Clydesdale15, all caps, and you can get 15% off your order. Uh, you can buy jump ropes of any color, shape, size, uh, the handles, you can make those whatever you want. You can get the cable at different weights um, and different lengths depending on your height. So check it out at rxmarkgear.com. Use Clydesdale15 at checkout and you'll get 15% off your order. That does exclude new additions, new arrivals and special editions, but check that out. Uh, it's a great deal. In addition to that, they're also supporting our hashtag road to a thousand. If you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast, and you have a public profile, every time we hit the century mark with subscribers, we're giving away a brand new RX Mercury jump rope. And Dave Newman, the owner of the company, has promised to throw in a couple extras uh, for that winner. So make sure you go over, subscribe, and uh, you have a public profile, and you may be our next winner. Up Before You Coffee. They are an amazing coffee. It is delicious, has different little notes of chocolate and things like that. Um, and it's really clean and crisp uh, when you drink it in the morning. Uh, but they have a light roast. Uh, they also have a medium roast, as you can see there. Um, we are so excited about the sponsor sponsorship. Uh, if you use Clydesdale 20, all caps, Clydesdale 20, you can get 20% off your order. Just go to upbeforeyou.com and uh, order your coffee. It's delicious. You'll love it. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. My name is Scott Switzer. I am your host. I am the Clydesdale. We love to do fitness. And these are my friends. I have my co-host, Amy, with me and very special friend, Allison Scuds. Allison, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Um, Amy and I both live in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. And that is where you are from. Yes, hometown. Yeah. And so you were quite the athlete here in Columbus. Yeah, uh, did you, uh, you yes, I guess Westland? so. Westland High School, represent. <laughs> there you go. And you were valedictorian as well. I was. So what, what, do you, what did you like about growing up in the Columbus area? Hmm. <clears throat> in the Columbus area specifically, there's honestly, there's not that much that like really stands out to like Columbus specific. Like when you're a kid, you know, you just, you grow up and it's normal and you're just like, okay, that's, that's what everybody's life is like. Right. So you don't really, you can't really distinguish that as a kid, but 
I think I just, you know, especially as an adult and even when I was growing up, I was just always so grateful to be in the family that I was born into, you know, they're just so loving and supportive. And um, even to this day, there's just looking back at my life and hearing experiences from other of my friends and, and whatnot, like anything that I ever wanted to do, my parents were just like, yeah, you can do that. And just like a hundred percent committed. And I think that's where I got a lot of my confidence, which then, you know, led to my success as an athlete and a student and anything that I wanted to do really. So when you were in high school, you did track <clears throat> golf. Yep. Yep. Cheerleading. Yep. And anything else? Gymnastics yes, and okay. tennis. <laughs> How did you fit yep. all and then that I in? also did. So in addition to being an athlete for my actual school, I also did uh, full-time all-star cheerleading, which okay. if most, a lot of people don't really know what that is, but it's essentially like a team or like, or sorry, a club team or like a travel team. Um, for competitive all-star cheerleading so it has no affiliation with like a school or anything um, and yeah that's a great question how did I do all of that well with a lot of help from my parents for sure um, you know as a kid you can't drive until you're 16 so a lot of my mom just chauffeuring me back and forth between everything I also was highly involved in a lot of other clubs too. I did like drama club, choir. Um, I did band in like middle school and intermediate school, student government, like basically anything that you could think of. I was somewhat involved at least at some point in my um, growing up. I just loved doing stuff and, and being busy. And um, so <clears throat> oftentimes, you know, I have memories of doing a full day of school, then doing drama club, club practice. And then my mom coming to pick me up and driving me to the gymnastics uh, gym for high school gymnastics, and then picking me up from there and driving me, you know, 20 miles to my cheerleading gym. And then, you know, go home, uh, do my homework and go to bed and do it again. <laughs> so the work ethic, so, so I have a 16 year old and a son who just graduated high school. So the amount of work ethic that that takes to do all of that and <laughs> your academics on top of that and excel in the academics is just completely am amazing and says a lot about your work ethic. So that's awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And, you know, I, I always say that like, <sighs> in school and in athletics, really, like, I never felt like I was, you know, I have kind of these accolades from high school, but I never really felt like I was the, the talented, the most talented or the most smart person in my high school. I just really, I think, always just had this um, pursuit for excellence and, and seeing if I could, it was competitive, like, in a way, but mostly just for myself, like, oh, that seems really hard. Like, I wonder if I could do it and, and just trying stuff like that and um, really being okay f with failing and messing up. And, and yeah, I think that's really what I attribute most of my success to. This is Rari. She's our guest of our guest. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, gym, what cheerleading gym did you go to? So I first started out at the cheer center in uh, Grove City, Ohio, and I 
was there for, I think about five, four or five years. And um, as I got more competitive in that sport, you know, there's certain gyms and programs that are, you know, more competitive and better essentially than others. So some of my friends started going to this other gym, which was called Step One All-Stars, and they were one of the best in the in the state and in kind of the region. And they um, were actually even closer to my house. So I ended up, they were kind of known as like the mean gym, you know, as like, as little kids, you're like, oh, their coaches are so mean. And like, they beat the kids. And it's like, there was rumors like that. But it was just because they were so good, you know, and they definitely were more disciplined, but they were they were the furthest from me. And, you know, I had some of the the greatest coaches there. And um, so I did uh, step on all stars for another, I think, three or four years up until I graduated high school. And then you went off to the University of Miami where you continued cheerleading in like a club atmosphere. Yep. So essentially my high school, sorry, my childhood dream growing up was there were certain programs. um, It's mostly an American sport. So, you know, they were the best in the world. Um, A couple programs around the country. So one of them was uh, Top Gun All-Stars. And for whatever reason, you know, you always have your favorite sports team or whatever. They were like my favorite for as long as I can remember. And they were down in Miami, Florida. And it was just kind of my childhood dream to be on Top Gun. And, you know, looking back, I feel like I, I never even questioned like whether or not I was going to do it. It was just like, yeah, once I graduate, excuse me, once I graduate, I can just move to Miami and then be on Top Gun. And that's kind of what I ended up doing. (laughs) And you competed at the Worlds in that first year with them. Yes, I did. And how did that go? They have... Uh, it was such an incredible experience. I mean, you know, moving a couple thousand miles away from where you grew up, all of a sudden you're on your own now and you're base. I was basically living out my, like I said, my childhood dream. It was, it was incredible. Like the, the being on that team was such an awesome experience and really, um, you know, like I said, I started at the cheer center and then I went like a step up in like discipline and athleticism at step one all-stars and then to just see the way that top gun like trains it was just incredible and it was like oh that makes sense like you know they're 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 not just like more more talented you know they're also working extremely harder and smarter and so that was just like a really cool i think learning experience as well it's like this is what it takes to be one of the best and so we were doing a lot of conditioning, uh, extra work, you know, in, in addition to our sports specific skills. And it was honestly uh, kind of similar to CrossFit type training. The owner of the gym, Victor, he was, he kind of dabbled in CrossFit at that time. That would have been like 2011. And um, so he would kind of like set up these like CrossFit style workouts for us, like one minute max uh, back tucks and then next, you know, rest and then one minute max box jumps like super high. So still like relating to our sport, but in this like high intensity interval and like CrossFit kind of way. So I forgot your question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just saying that you went to the University of Miami. You you continued that on and you went. Oh to the yes, yes. Sorry. So. Like- <laughs> When, 
yeah went off on a little tangent there but yeah that was um so when I went down to kind of since I was from out of state the coaches didn't really know me that well obviously I made the team via like a video tryout so they had some idea of my my skills but to be honest like I was a flyer and I was a little bit on the bigger side of the flyers. Um, I, I weighed around 130 pounds then. And some of the other flyers like on our team were like, you know, 17 years old and weighed like 105 pounds, like super, like basically prepubescent, like little Mm -hmm. girls. And, um, so I, I honestly, the first half of the season, I wasn't really doing that much on the team, to be honest, because I wasn't, um, in a flying position and I'm not the best tumbler. Like I can obviously do like some tumbling skills, but I wasn't like, you know, one of the best on the team. So it was a little frustrating to me because I felt like if I just had the chance, like I know my skills are better than these girls that are getting to fly. I just weigh, you know, 10 to 15 pounds more than them. And so long story short, halfway through the season, someone was struggling a little bit and I happened to be just like practice stunting with um, one of the bases. And there was my like golden opportunity, you know, right place, right time. And my coach was like, all right, you're out, Allie's in. And I, um, I ended up getting like the, the middle, the center spot flying spot, which is like the best one. Mm-hmm. And um, I got to do that at worlds for two different stunts and, so it's kind of like this whole story of like just gutting it out and like doing the hard work and like waiting for my opportunity to shine. And, um, and then I ended up getting it. So that was a really cool way to end the season. And, and I decided to retire after that year, even though I would have loved to uh, become a world champion. We didn't win that year, but it was just so much work. And I was already starting to like just get more involved at the University of Miami. And I felt a lot closer with uh, my people at school versus the people on my team, which was actually like the reverse of what I experienced growing up. Like in high school, I was not really that close with anyone in my high school um, compared to the relationships that I had on my cheerleading team. So what did you focus your academics on at Miami? I studied biomedical engineering and that was um, my um, degree, I guess, uh, going in, that was what I decided to pick. And again, it was kind of like, oh, that sounds really hard. Like, I wonder if I could do it. And, and um, I was obviously, you know, in, interested in science and biology and I loved math and physics. Um, so those were and anatomy, um, was one of my favorite classes in high school. And we did, um, we did, uh, what was it called? Like a regenerative medicine conference field trip one day when I was in high school. And I was like, wow, this is really interesting stuff. So that was kind of like why I picked that, but I didn't really have like a specific end goal. It was more or less just like, yep, that sounds hard. Let's try it. (laughs) It sounds really hard. (laughs) Yeah. It was really hard to be honest. It was hard because, you know, in high school, I went to, you know, a public school, West side of Columbus, like I didn't really know how to study or even like work that hard at school stuff. Like it, it just kind of, you showed up, you were a good kid, you know, you, you did your homework and that was 
kind of my experience in high school. It wasn't that competitive or difficult, um, to be honest. And then when you get to college, like especially at the University of Miami and the College of Engineering, it's just like these are all everybody's valedictorian and and from like really good schools too, like private schools and boarding schools. And you're like, oh my God, like I didn't know how to study. And you have like this huge course load. And I actually, um, I think I got overplaced into my, my entry um, calculus class because I was really struggling. I was like, I have no idea like how to do this. And I, I got like a D um, despite, you know, like trying really hard. And so luckily they had like a, you know, freshman forgiveness where you could like retake a course that you, you know, wanted to after your first semester. And like that would replace your, your new grade would replace your original grade. Um, but it was really, really hard. It was a, definitely a rude awakening. Like <laughs> you, you have to work hard, but you also have to like be smart too <laughs> and um it, it was yeah that was that was tough so in my research i found your linkedin page when when was the last time you looked okay. at your linkedin page <laughs> probably not in the last five years probably i i think i created it when i was in school and um was going to i did a few like um conferences that I would go to for like the Society of Women Engineers and um yeah so probably do you know what it says your current occupation do you know what it says your current no what's it say uh resident assistant (laughs) (laughs) yep that makes sense then I haven't checked it since uh since I graduated (laughs) so so you were an RA in college Yep, and that's actually um, my second year of school, halfway through the year, actually. They, and they don't normally hire people halfway through the year, but every now and then they'll have like one or two openings. And for whatever reason, I just heard that they had some openings and applied for the job and ended up getting it, um, which was really awesome for me because I, I did get some scholarships, but I was mostly um, paying for school myself or like getting loans to pay it eventually by myself. So that was a huge, you know, that was the reason why I got, tried to get the job. Cause that's like, you know, $15,000 a year um, that you don't have to pay for free room and board. And um, so I got the job in um, the end of the first semester and I became friends in my same building that I was going to be working with. Um, Dylan Malitsky was also a resident assistant. And so we ended up uh, becoming friends when I came back um, for the next semester. He was kind of like helping like onboard me um, to like all the duties and whatnot. Cause normally they have their, you know, initiation where they, or their, uh, I can't think of the word, but where they on-ramp everybody at the same time. But since I was coming halfway, he was kind of helping me do that. And I, for the, lot, for the first semester of my sophomore year, I was still super active. You know, I, I was always an athlete, but I didn't really have anything to train for anymore. And I was doing like spin classes and, you know, still lifting weights a little bit, but just kind of a little bit lost. Like I was basically just working out because I didn't want to, you know, gain weight or like just, but really with no purpose. 
and that was the first time in my life that I had felt that. And so he, um, he was like, oh, I think you would really like CrossFit, like with your athletic background. And I was like, oh, I didn't really know what CrossFit was. So we did a couple like CrossFit style workouts. And um, because that was in January, he was like, oh, my gym is hosting this um, event downtown. Like you should come check it out. And it was Wadapalooza. And um, so I went to Wadapalooza and that would have been in 2013. Yep, 2013, Wadapalooza. And it was basically like love at first sight. Like I remember sitting in the stands, like watching Telena Fortunato do like super high box jumps and bar muscle ups. And I was like, yep, I'm going to do that. (laughs) And and so it was like from there on out, I was like uh, already in, like I hadn't even really done an actual CrossFit workout, like in the CrossFit gym. So and I knew I wanted to compete, obviously, like my whole life, I had been a competitor and I, I had already felt like I was missing that, but didn't, wasn't able to you know, verbalize it. So it sounds like a common theme of you see something that looks really hard and then you decide that's the thing you want to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, that's pretty, sounds pretty accurate. And so your, your first CrossFit gym was, was peak, right? Yep. And that's with Dylan yes. and Noah. And Not a bad one. Noah Guido Trinidad is the owner. And obviously Dylan Malitsky was there at the time and, you know, a bunch of other. They, so Noah and, and Dylan, actually, we all kind of have a very similar, like, coming to CrossFit story because we were all three resident assistants at UM. And we started at P360. And so they, uh, Noah and Dylan actually founded the, the Canes CrossFit Club at uh, University of Miami. So they had like a partnership with Peak um, and the school to kind of like help the students pay for the memberships and whatnot. So we had like a, a college community too at Peak. So, so you started the Canes, or not, they started the Canes Club. So were you working out with them a lot in those early days? Pretty much. I don't think I really, I didn't cross paths with Noah like um, right off the bat, but he was definitely there. And then um, we actually met through like I was in a sorority and he was in a fraternity. So I think we met like through school actually first at some like social event and then kind of like, oh, yeah, like we both go to peak. And he was a he was a coach at peak at the time, too. It's such a small world how that all happened yeah. in such a little little community. And Miami's not little. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it was definitely, you know, that having that initial experience, I'm sure I would have still competed or like found my way to like a, a competitive gym or something um, had I started at a different gym. But just having that right off the bat with like, Noah just starting to really get into CrossFit and then um, Guido also I think he had made it to the games the year before Um, so just being surrounded by people that were already at the highest level basically was was super influential and also like when it came time for me to graduate I was just starting to get you know more serious into CrossFit you know the first couple years you're kind of just like learning everything and 
and having fun with it. And then I realized that this is like an actual like sport that people do full time. Essentially, that was kind of around the year that more athletes were starting to, you know, be full time athletes. And that's kind of like what it required to, Mm -hmm. to get to that next level. And so, yeah, having the, them as inspirations and influences, um, really like helped me decide when I got to graduating, I was kind of like, well, I have this degree that I could essentially, you know, get a career in or go down that path, or I could try to commit, um, you know, full-time essentially as much full-time as I could as an athlete to try to pursue this dream of mine of going to the CrossFit games. And yeah, I decided that my degree would always be there and um, that this really, you know, you only have a certain amount of time in your life to be um, at your peak physical performance and that, you know, not having any type of um, responsibilities like a family or a house or anything tying me down, like this was truly the best time for me to just kind of go for it and I had the full support, you know, from my parents, they were just like, yeah, like I said before, you, you can do it. And um, so that's when I um, started, I became a CrossFit coach, obviously, I still had to pay bills and stuff at the yeah. time. So I was coaching a lot at, uh, at P360. And also, I basically went to Guido and was like, hey, like, I want to do this. Can you help me do this somehow? And he was like, yep. Uh, you know, obviously I can't just pay you, but like, if you can come, you know, coach obviously, but then like come up with some other ways. Um, and he was super, you know, just empowering to just like, yeah, like whatever you want to do, we can make, try to make it happen. And so I was coaching, I was doing personal training. And then I also helped, um, develop their sweat 360 class, which is kind of like a, a CrossFit style boot camp. But we had Guido really had a different, um, a special vision for it. Like he, a lot of boot camp classes are just like watered down CrossFit, but he wanted it to be something completely different that was a really, really tough workout without, you know, skills and barbells, but that like a, you know, a games level athlete could still take and get like a really good workout out of. So we kind of like collaborated on that. And then I ended up taking over uh, programming for that full-time which was really fun and a great learning experience and then I also did their social media so that was kind of like how I made ends meet while I was still able to be in the gym training a lot so it seems like you really got rooted in the Miami community pretty quickly um what what made you move to California I was very rooted and I had, you know, I love peak so much. It will always have like a special place in my heart. Like I coached there for many years and many different types of classes. We also did like a gymnastics class for a little bit and a strength class. And it was just such a, it truly was like a family to me. And, um, I ended up moving out to California a couple of years, started dating my boyfriend, Raphael. We were long distance. He lived out here in California and I was in Miami we met through an, um, a sponsor of ours, RPM, for like a photo shoot. And so we were dating long distance for just over a year. And we kind of decided like we were we were ready to like move on to not being long distance anymore. 
And at the time, it just made more sense for me to to move out here to California. But and, I definitely miss my uh, peak family for sure. Yeah. And you guys just met in, at a photo shoot and just started talking and it turned into. Yeah. So we um, RPM right after the 2017 games, RPM was actually my first ever sponsor in CrossFit. So I have been with them since literally day one. And um, they had all their individual athletes. And then they were also sponsoring uh, NorCal CrossFit's uh, team to the games that year. They made it to the games. So they had all of us out for a big photo shoot um, all week. They had like a beach house in Santa Cruz. And so we were all hanging out there. And yeah, that's where I met Roth. And we um, we just kind of kept in touch for a couple months. And then we were kind of like, well should we like go on a date or something? Like it's, it's weird when you're <laughs> yeah. you know, living in literally opposite corners of the, of the country. And uh, my birthday was actually coming up. This was in 2017. November is my birthday. And, and somehow we decided to go to, uh, to fly into Vegas actually, and um, do like a, a night of Vegas and then drive out to the Grand Canyon um, and it was such a awesome trip and experience. And obviously it worked out for both of us. And um, for that, for that year that we were dating, we were pretty lucky though. We were able to see each other, you know, at least once, once a month, um, wow. whether it was through some sort of CrossFit thing or something that we just did on our own. That, that's a pretty high bar for the first date. Like how does he keep I know, up with it's, that? It's pretty, <laughs> It's pretty hard. I mean, honestly, that whole first like year and a half, we, most of our dates were pretty epic like that, just because of the nature of being long distance of like, you know, like a couple of times, like I would go come to his house, but he was living with his mom at the time. And so we would like go to, we went to like Big Sur and so, mm -hmm. and traveled down and like stayed at some cool places in Big Sur. And then, um, then we went to um, France for this CrossFit competition out there and went to Italy. Um, and so it's just, and then we went, we did the Hawaiian trail run. So it, all of our, like, probably like our first 15 dates were all pretty epic like that. <laughs> so now he's like, Hey, you want to go to dinner? And you're like, that's all you got. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> all right. That's, that's an awesome story. So um, I want to kind of like pause your career and talk about what's going on in your life right this minute. So All we right, were scheduled do to do it. this a couple of days ago and a half an hour uh -huh. before we were to go on the air with you, it was announced that you are now the demo team captain for this year's CrossFit games. Yep. How cool is that? And I completely flaked on you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it's understandable. You were busy. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, basically, so rewind a little bit, um, at the beginning of the season, I got asked to test out some of the, um, open workouts because this year, the open, you know, 10,000 people made it through to the next level. Mm -hmm. And at the time, obviously we were in the, in the middle of COVID and it was a lot harder to get other athletes out here. And luckily I live only like an hour and a half from the ranch and also like an hour from CrossFit HQ. So, um, I ended up doing that. And then I was also the, 
um, movement standard, I guess, demo athlete for the open as well. So I, ha- I had been, um, you know, I know some of those guys, Dave from, I was, um, on the demo team in 2017 and, and then I had just kind of been around, you know, knowing Justin and, and Wilson, um, kind of loose ties with everybody. And so I was super honored to be, you know, the open demo athlete this year. And oh, I also did when when they closed down all the gyms, we did like the support your local box fundraiser. So I think that was actually initially involved um, this year with them. And yeah, we just kind of um, we did the open testing and then obviously like with quarterfinals and semifinals, like I was competing. And so and also CrossFit doesn't um, they don't program the semifinal events anymore. So. I just continued to compete and then did semifinals. And the day after semifinals, I had, I had kind of seen Dave was like testing some of the games workouts already. And once I realized I didn't make it to the games and I also didn't make it to the last chance qualifier, I was like, I just got this feeling they're going to, they're going to hit me up to like put me through the, the ringer. And like a couple days later, I got a text saying like, Hey, can you come, uh, can you come down to the ranch to test some games workouts? And that was, I think I ended up going Thursday after, right after West Coast Classic. And, um, you know, was obviously planning on taking a little bit of time off, but you know, when that, when that kind of opportunity comes up, you gotta, you gotta go for it. And so have pretty much been down there most of my days since semifinals testing out the workouts and um yeah and then Dave asked I heard him say on the Savan podcast that uh Paul Tremblay was always the demo team captain for the last I don't know five or six years or so and he was the captain when I was on the team and I heard him say that uh Paul turned down the position this year because he's um I think he's like the Canada manager and he's just got a lot going on he had another kid too and I was like oh man I would love to be like the demo team captain like I had so much fun that year and you know obviously having a little bit of experience being on the team once before so I kind of like dropped a little like hey Dave like I'm available just letting you know but you never know what Dave you know he's got his own vision and plan for everything and um just you know I was just happy to be there testing testing the workouts and a couple days into testing he um he asked me if I would want to be the captain and I said hell yeah so super excited for that experience again this year and um you know a little bit of added responsibility being the captain just making sure that everybody is um you know cohesive and we're always in the right place at the right time but um, I'm really honored and super grateful for the opportunity. Can't wait to, to be at the games this year. So that's what I was gonna ask for our listeners who don't know what, what the captain's responsibility is. What's the difference between yeah. the demo team and being a captain? What even is the demo team? I think a lot of people yeah. um, don't, don't even really understand that either. So like, obvious, like I said, the testing is always um, done before the event right like there's so many logistics that they have to they can't just be like oh I think we'll do this like the day before the competition right it's like crazy how much it's thought out and like how many and that's one of the cool parts about it too is like you really get to see the behind the scenes and like oh if we want to do x amount of this movement 
we need to be like contacting rogue so to make sure that they have the right equipment there and you know the right types of plates like for the loading of certain movements or you know whatever like all those like tiny 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 little details and you and you know how like at the games they they want to make it a really visual spectacle too so sometimes they'll have you know way more equipment than they would at just like a semifinal or or something like that so they really go over the top to make the the viewing of the events really special as well and so most of most of that is is worked out before the competition and that's what I realized in 2017 too when we went out uh when I was on the demo team that year they had had all the like CrossFit events already planned out and so in 2017 we were testing mostly just like the on-site specific stuff so that year they did the obstacle course and obviously they weren't able to build the obstacle course and practice that before they got out Madison so I ended up doing the obstacle course like 15 different times with different implements, different, Mm -hmm. you know, standards on different stuff. And so it's like stuff like that, that the demo team really tests. And then also some of the, the team events as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this year they had a team come out to do some of the testing uh, beforehand. So I think probably this year we'll, we'll do even less testing on site the main job of the demo team is to actually demo um, during the the briefs, so the athlete briefings, and there's a lot of them because you have the masters, the teens, um, the teams, and the individuals, uh, both the men and women. So, and there's um, you know a lot of events at the games, right? So multiply all those categories times however many events there are so you're kind of you're always like bouncing around doing those demos and showing the flows so showing the flow and also the movement standards of all the workouts that are going to be happening uh sometimes i remember when in 2017 dave will have like the demo team do like a full workout like to to i think he had that year them do either like the clean ladder or something like that um like the full actual workout. So that will be kind of like fun to, to just show like the athletes, mm-hmm. you know, what it can look like. And, and, um, but yeah, then also the secondary is kind of just being on call in case anything does need to be tested out or minor tweaks um, right before game day. I, I have a story from 2017, like once the games started, we were pretty much done testing but I think it, I believe it was the last day, Sunday morning, we were supposed to have a pretty chill morning, you know, just kind of like casually rolling out of bed and starting to get ready. And I, I got a text from Paul that was like, we need to leave in 10 minutes. Like, let's go. And or like Dave needs us at the venue right now. And so I literally like throw on my clothes, get out, we get in the van and we go to the venue. I hadn't like had a drink of water or like eat a breakfast or anything. And we get out of the van and Dave's like, all right, the girls, you're going to run this event, which was the hay bale, um, mm-hmm. like cheese curd over the hay bale and running event. And um, I was like, oh no, this is not going to be good. Like I am not a great runner to begin with. And even less so in 2017. And also Alex Parker was on the team and she's like, one of the best runners in CrossFit. And so we were testing out different rep schemes because I knew he wanted to do. And I was doing the less reps than everybody else. And we start 
and I think it was like five rounds and I already got lapped on like the third round and Dave just looks at me and he goes, all right, you can just stop. (laughs) (laughs) So that definitely like that, that hurt the soul. But at the same time, I was, (laughs) I was happy that I didn't have to suffer anymore. So it's just stuff like that, that like, you just have to be basically on call if Dave needs anything um, Mm -hmm. tested out or, or done. So I was a volunteer at the North Park in 2017. Oh, okay. So I stacked those bales of hay. <laughs> nice. Um, that, and that's, one thing that's that happened, work. it was it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Because um, there was a lot, wasn't there? Like multiple like rows and stuff too. Five five rows, the whole wow. way across the field. Yeah. So, and we moved them three times because Dave didn't like where they were. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That sounds um, right. So, so you got question- a little taste of, of how Dave is, right? Yes. Like you just gotta oh, yes. be, and it's, it's awesome because like, that's why the games are so good is because he really does think of all those little details that you, you wouldn't, you would have no idea um, that are even an option to think about, but that's why they're so amazing. Yeah, with with like a minute left, he wanted us to change the way the rope was in the strongman sphere with the the, the sled uh-huh. pull. Um, yeah, and we had to make those changes like in sixty seconds. It was crazy. Yeah, but the, but what yep. I want to bring up is the weather that year. It mm-hmm. it snowed in Wisconsin in August, the day of the obstacle course. So how much? Oh we- yeah. Yep. So how much went into like you as the demo team, did you have to try it out in that weather to see what, if it changed the dynamic of anything or did they just say, well, we didn't anticipate this. We got to go. That year specifically for that, we, I don't remember us doing that. I remember it being very cold and feeling bad for the athletes. But at that point, I think they were just like, yeah, we got to do what we got to do. But I'm sure that in certain cases they would have us test out certain things like say it rained or something they might have us like go through and see if it really affects you know the performance of the athletes but um to my knowledge I don't think we did that that year because everybody was having trouble with but yeah just you never know what what could Mm -hmm. I was gonna say you never know what could come up like that so that's definitely like one of the reasons why we're also there is to just have people test stuff test dummy is what i was like calling myself because everybody was having trouble with the rope swing onto the balance log yeah and you did that like 15 times how did how did that go for you oh yeah (laughs) i don't know if you know this story so you're just baiting me into it but um (laughs) so i (laughs) i um okay so the individuals had to go only one direction, just like start to finish one time, but the teams had to go forward and then backwards on the whole course. And like I said, for whatever reason, like we did the obstacle course the first day and I was pretty good at it. So he just kind of like, I was reserved to be the obstacle course tester. So like I said, I did it about 15 different times. And every time you go through, you get like a new little scrape or bump or bruise or something like that. And so the team version, we had only, I had only done the team version doing it in reverse as a team. So swinging from 
the low log on the rope up to the high log we had only done with the guys and the guys you know are a little bit taller and they can jump a little higher so they were able to like jump up with the rope land on the high beam and then throw back the rope for us um and i was demoing for the team so i was just doing like one implement at a time to show the standards on everything and I get to that one and I'm like, oh, I haven't done this by myself before. Like, I just gotta, I just gotta go for it, I guess. So I like ran and jumped as high as I could, grabbed the rope and I slam right into the high beam, like on my, like right between my butt and my knee, just on my thigh. And the impact was so hard that every, everyone who's all the teams that are watching, they go, Oh, <laughs> but I hang onto the rope. I swing back. And then I finally like land on my second one. And, um, you know, secretly I'm like, I got some tears going down and I'm like, I'm fine. And, uh, no, I had a bruise, not even exaggerating like this big on my leg for months. And it's honestly like, you can still see a little baby bruise there for years later <laughs> so it's wow i was permanently bruised from that game so when you're testing what does a typical day look like not 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 any movements but just like how yeah, long yeah. are you there how how is it, it really just call? depends um it really just depends on what he needs tested so and there's really no schedule you just you show up at a certain time and you just do whatever he says. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you, you do the same event multiple times or with like a slight change. Um, but it's really just show up, warm up, and then just be ready for whatever, try to hit it as hard as you can. Um, it's really different than training or competing because, you know, especially myself, I, I love to have a plan and like, I like to think things through and be prepared, but this is, it's truly like, you got to just do whatever he needs done. And, um, yeah, I've tested like different variations of the same workouts many times. And, um, yeah, I just try to have a, like, I always just have a fun attitude with it. it's just, it's, it's really low expectations too, because you're just like, I don't, sometimes you don't even know if it's possible, like what, what he's asking to do or, and that's what he's trying to figure out in the testing is like, is this the right stimulus that I'm looking for? Is it the right time domain that I'm looking for? Is it, you know, how does it feel? Like he always says that, like when you're done, like, good job. How did it, how did it feel? <laughs> And, um, so by, you know, some events are a little bit more straightforward and he knows like what he wants, but some of them are a little bit more, um, specific, like that year in 2017 with the hay bales, like he, he probably had a certain time domain in his mind that the burpees were going to take a certain amount of time. So that's why he was testing different reps. So just stuff like that. So I'm really stoked for you. I think that's really cool. Um, one other thing about 2017 where we got to hang out as volunteers was where you guys got mm -hmm. to hang out um in that barn yep. in between things and yeah. we shared the same tvs watching events um mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i was i was such a fanboy yeah, back then like i was just so stoked to be that close to the demo team oh that's awesome yeah it, it is really fun and it's always like 
really inspiring too, you know, to be like a part of the events that are happening. Obviously you have a lot of FOMO cause you're like, Oh, I wish I could be there. And usually the people on the demo team are people that were pretty close to making it that year. And so that's, that's always the, you know, you're like standing right there on the sidelines and you're like, I did this workout. And, um, but it's, it's such a, you know, unique opportunity too. And, and like I said, I'm just so excited for it. How much does it help you going into the next season being a part of it? I think there's just a little bit of that, like motivation, you know, being, being so close to it and like seeing the behind the scenes, but at the end of the day, like, you that that kind of like motivation comes and goes throughout the season and so I don't think it makes that big of a difference like you have to I think that you that I need to set up my life in a way that I'm making these decisions every day to get better and better and the motivation is going to come and go but I have to stick to those daily habits and the routines that is really what improves my fitness and helps me hopefully get to the next level. So let's look at the season with you. Um, so we know you move well or CrossFit wouldn't use you as the demo for all of the movements. Um, and yes. you, you made it Thank all the you. way through to the semifinals where you got to compete at West mm-hmm. Coast Classic. And yep. you've yet, yet to taste the games ticket as an individual athlete. And you were pretty close this year. Um, so walk us through the West coast classic because you, your start wasn't awesome, but your end was great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, in my perspective of West coast classic, the start was awesome. The middle was awesome. And the, the end was awesome. Like you, as an athlete, you know, you train all year, you don't know what you're really preparing for. You try to work on your weaknesses, um, that are based off of, you know, data that you have from other competitions and just like how you grew up as an athlete. Like I was saying before, I mostly did competitive cheerleading and like explosive sports. So I'm, I'm pretty good at like the sprint type events and I've never really been a great, you know, long distance runner or like long aerobics. So that's something that I know that I've always had to work on. And then also just being a little bit smaller and on the athletes, um, you know, I went from being too big for to be a flyer, but too small to be, a, you know, the strongest person on the field. Obviously, CrossFit, there's many different body types and you get rewarded for um, being smaller in certain things. But, you know, even if I quit CrossFit and lift every single day, like I'm probably still not ever going to be as strong as Danny Spiegel or Amanda or someone. So just kind of like capitalizing on, um, areas where you can. So all that to say, I was really, really proud of my, my physical preparation, my mental preparation and my execution, uh, for West coast classic. I, the events that I did get to test beforehand, um, I PR'd all of my like training times on them. Like the first event I was really excited for because um, it was a repeat of 2016. And that was my first time as an individual uh, regionals competitor. And I think I got like a couple reps at like the third bar out of five. And I knew 
I had, I had practiced this event a couple times and I knew that I could finish it. It was probably going to be like close to the time cap because 175 was pretty heavy for me. And, um, so my goal was really to just finish it and, um, you know, stick to my plan. And I ended up finishing it over a minute faster than I did in training. So I was just like, so pumped about that. And, um, just being able to hit two reps at 175 and just thinking of like, how far I've come from 2016. And, um, I didn't, honestly, I didn't look at the leaderboard until the weekend was over. And I was shocked to find out that that was 20th place. Like that was just like mind blowing to me because that year at regionals, even though I only got about halfway through, I still placed like pretty well that year. I think I was like maybe 12th or 15th or something. And so I was like, Oh, like there's only going to be, you know, certain amount of people like even finishing it and so that was definitely a shock but it is what it is you know and that's kind of like one of those things that I I have no control over like I did my best and I PR'd by a minute like that like I have no control that that was 20th place and so um you know that there was 19 other girls who did it faster than me at that competition so and then the second event was, was, um, kind of the same thing. Like I, I, it's, it was a better placement for me. I don't remember what place, but I had tested it a couple of times in training. And I, especially with the legless rope climbs, like I knew that I had to rest a certain amount in between the reps because otherwise I was going to get to failure and then I would be stuck on the last rope climb. So, and I PR that one by, you know, I think 10 or 15 seconds which with all the like transitions and whatnot, that was another huge win. And then the third day or the, sorry, the second day, the third event was the ruck run, which like I said before, a long run is even if I think if I only worked on that, like, I don't know if I would ever win that type of event, but I just, I had my plan three, two, one, go. Everyone started and everyone was sprinting out the get go. And I was like, well, I know that I can't hold that pace. So this is a 40 minute long workout. And so I just have to, you know, do what I can do. I actually, I've done a lot of mindset work this year. And one of the most um, influential things that I've learned is just like embracing um, like an ultra realist. And so, you know, your mind immediately wants, my mind wanted to go to like, oh, I suck. Like I'm, I've worked on my running so much, but I, I'm not even good at running still. And I was literally like in second to last place after the first lap. And I was like, well, what's, what is the reality of this situation? I'm running as fast as I can, um, for this type of workout. And all I can do is just keep doing that plan, you know, or give up. And those are really my only two options right now. And so I was like, well, let me just keep going at my pace. And already this, it was four loops and each loop, you got a heavier weight Mm -hmm. already on the second loop. I came out in second to last place. And there was already, I could see girls that were already walking and I was like, okay, well, I'm just not going to walk the whole time. And, um, you know, kept on my pace, was able to pick off like three or four girls each each loop. And so it, it actually became like really fun. Like that was one of the most like fun workouts. It was really tough to just like, keep, keep on, you know, trucking the whole time. And then at the very, the very uh, last loop, I was about 200 meters out. There was two girls that were pretty far ahead of me that were holding their pace. And I was like, I don't know if I have enough 
juice to like really sprint up and pass him, you know, um, empty it too early also. So we passed like the last turnaround and people from the crowd were saying there was like only one more minute left in the time cap. And we, we didn't really know what would happen if you got time capped, but I was like, I've passed a, a significant amount of people this lap. And so I don't want them to take my chip timer from round three. So I just like booked it the rest of the way and ended up passing those two girls within the last like 50 feet um, of the finish line. So that one was another, just like, I was really proud of my execution and game plan. And also just like the grit that it took to stay in it even when I thought like I was going to get second to last. Cause I was like, well, they're just way better runners than I am. And there's nothing I can do about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so just sticking with that. So th- that was kind of the theme for throughout all the events is like I said, I, I felt like I, I really did do the best of my ability and I just wasn't good enough this year and that's okay. Like that's, that's part of the the journey of sport is just like constantly getting better and and the the better that I can dial in those you know the game day stuff once my actual like fitness is is where it needs to be to be uh, fit enough to make it to the games I don't have to worry about like oh well, will my execution be good or will will I have like you know a mental breakdown or something because I've I've been working on all those things so it's just like you know, another piece of the puzzle and hopefully they'll all uh, come together one day. So I got to tell you, I, for this was the first year I ever got to travel to all of the semifinals. Mm-hmm. And I love the way you said that, that it was all awesome. Every day was awesome. Yeah. And because when you're working out the, you smile the entire time. Like it is, <laughs> it's infectious. Like people, I just wanted to root for you because you were, you were oh, out there and you just had this huge smile on your face and I wanted you to do well. And I love that mindset. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That's just something that throughout the years that I've just realized is really um, organically naturally me is like, I like to have fun. And I, I like to say like, it doesn't have to be fun to be fun. Meaning like you can be uncomfortable and, you know, in pain and, suffer but like it's kind of fun also like how many people how many athletes would have loved the opportunity to compete at semifinals that year and like all the judges and and uh, volunteers and spectators like they really just want the athletes to do well and and they love our sport and it's just so I don't know it seems kind of like corny to say it but just like it's such a unique opportunity and like I'm just so grateful to even be out there and I think also like my boyfriend he broke his wrist at the beginning of this year too and just being really close to somebody who had their like season taken away from them I was just like yeah of course I want to make it to the games but I'm just so happy that my body is healthy and like I can do be doing what I'm doing like there's nothing to be like there's only gratefulness in that situation for me. Well, we're coming up on the hour and we still have some rapid fire questions to go, but I, I do want to touch quickly on two things that are not really like yeah. athletic part of it. Born Primitive. You have your own signature line yes. with Born Primitive. I think that's yes, like I everybody's do. dream to either have like a, a shoe <laughs> named after them or a, or a fashion line or something. So how excited were you when, when you got to yeah. do that with Born Primitive? 
Oh my gosh. I, I love it so much. And it's, I think fashion has like secretly always been like a passion of mine that, um, you know, when I was younger, I had, my mom had like a costume box for me that I would just like always dress up in costumes. Like I actually got in kindergarten for dressing up like a cat and coming like in full cat makeup and like a, a tail and ears and everything. And so I think that that's always been fun for me. And I had dabbled around, um, you know, helping a couple other companies like make a couple items. And I just loved, like, I always feel like, oh, I could make this better by doing this, or I have this really cool idea. So that was one of the things that I approached Born Primitive with when I, um, when they were uh, wanting to sponsor me was like, I really want to have a clothing line or at least like some pieces that I help, you know, create and, and have a say in. And, They've been so amazing um, just helping me make it happen. And um, it is it's a lot of work. Like it's basically all my initiation. Like they do a lot of pretty much all of the back end stuff as far as like they have the designer and they, you know, do the manufacturing and, and all the marketing and stuff like that. But um, it's really all of my ideas and they help those come to life. And it's just been such a fun process to like, just like anything else, you know, when you aren't really that involved, you don't realize everything that goes into it, but it's, it's fun to like, have an, have an idea, like come from literally just like inside my head to like a piece that I'm actually wearing and getting to sit, um, you know, pick out the, and create the tags and, the branding that we do and like, you know, what the logos look like and where those go and like little like details like that. So I've had my uh, signature collection line with them for almost two years now. And um, I'm not sure when this is airing, but I believe on July 14th, we are launching this piece that I'm wearing now. It's the same uh, Rari bra, but it's in a new um, fabric, which is super soft. And there's two new colors. And then at the end of this year, we are launching an all new revamped uh, collection by me that I have been working on for over a year now. It has been a long process, but I'm really excited for this next. Uh, it's called the Grit Collection coming out. And um, and then I'm also going to do like an underwear, like bra and underwear line also with them. So lots of good things coming down the pipeline with Born Primitive um, for the Ace Goods collection. So the other thing I wanted to touch on, and we probably don't have enough time today, but you had wrote some blogs about the effects of hormonal birth control. Yes. And I have a, I have a 19 year old daughter who is on birth control. And I was fascinated mm -hmm. about what you discovered uh, being on it and being off of it. Um, mm -hmm. If you have time, I'd love to know like yeah. why you did that and why that was important to you. Oh yes, absolutely. I, this, another area that I'm super passionate about. And, um, I think that, you know, growing up, um, I got on birth control when I was really young because I had really heavy periods and like, as a young teenager who's, um, active, that's kind of like, it's kind of annoying. And, and obviously as a kid, you don't know like what's going on and they don't like really teach you that in school. And, 
and it kind of goes down the line, right? Like my mom wasn't really taught that or my parents weren't really taught that. So they didn't even really know. So that's why I was prescribed uh, birth control to like regulate my periods. But come to find out, like, that's not really what happens uh, when you're on birth control. You're, you actually don't even have like an actual period. Like you're not, your body is not ovulating anymore. And then you're not the the bleed that you have is just like uh they call like a breakthrough bleed and i'm not like super fresh on all the like science and you know technical terms but for me the journey was a couple years ago i just i um you know i felt like i was kind of unturning every other stone that i could to my performance right like i had nutrition coaching i had physical coaching i had mindset coaching i was sleeping really well i was recovering all that stuff and this was kind of the hormonal birth control was the one thing that i hadn't even really thought of like it's you're putting you know hormones in your body and um that has to have some sort of it, in my opinion i was like i feel like that has to have some effect on you sadly there's not a ton of research that they've done out there to see like, yes, hormonal birth control or no hormonal birth control does or doesn't affect performance. And it's kind of a tricky thing to even test. Um, they are, there are some studies that are, that have come out within the last year or so that are saying like, yeah, we don't really know. <laughs> it's not a clear yes or a clear no. And it's very like uh, person to person also. So for me, as, as an elite athlete, like I was, I was like, even if it's like 0.01 performance reducing, like, I don't, I don't want that. So for me, I, you know, just kind of research, like, what are, are there even other options out there for, you know, I don't want to become pregnant either. So that was like, you know, like natural forms of birth control and whatnot. And just really learning that there are a other options out there and and learning how my body even works like i didn't even understand like what the menstrual cycle even was like um you know i didn't even know what that you had like a small fertile period that like i i kind of just thought you could just get pregnant any time of the any time but that's not actually true so for me, it was just like such a um, empowering experience to like one, just learn how my body's working, and then two, be able to make like informed decisions about my body um, with that information versus just like going with the flow or thinking that I had to be on hormones. Um, and it's not for everybody. Like some people are just like, ah, I don't want to have to worry about it, and it's working for me. And you know, there are. But I think just learning that the birth control isn't, it's, it's more of like a bandaid than it is like an actual solution for anything. So like some people will take birth control because they have heavy periods or they have cramps or something. And what I learned was that your, your menstrual cycle is really like your monthly health report card. And it, if you're healthy, um, you know, hormonally, physically, you, and you, you shouldn't have any like severe side effects. And that's actually a way that you can monitor like what's going on inside your body. But if you're on birth control, that kind of just like, it covers it up. So for me, I was like, I want that. 
I, if there is any type of like performance, um, decrease, I don't want that. And then if there is any type of, you know, health underlying health issues, especially somebody who's putting a lot of stress on my body through training, um, I want to be aware of that as well. So for those reasons, I decided to come off of birth control and I am super happy about my decision and just like the, the journey and learning experience it's been. And I think that's the biggest message that I'd like to get across to other people is like, not that birth control is bad or that you sh- nobody should be on it because some people that's the right decision for them, but just that they have the choice and there are other options and it helps you to learn actually how your body is, is working. That's awesome. Um, and I'm so glad we got to get yeah. that in there and get that out to people. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, if, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you want some more information, definitely check out my blogs. Like I said, I'm not a medical professional or even like a specialist, you know, in this, I just, um, you know, learned by reading a couple books and, you know, following a couple people who are actually experts on Instagram, but feel free to reach out to me if you have any uh, specific questions or, you know, want some guidance or help on your journey. And they can find your blogs where? Uh, my website, ascuds.com. Awesome. Yeah. So we're going to go ahead and start the rapid fire to kind of finish this up. And uh, we'll hit you with 10 right. questions. Oh, uh, okay. Super fast. So here we go. I was going to shorten them, but okay. Uh, favorite item in your Born Primitive collection? Oh, it's like choosing a favorite child. I I'll know. go with the uh, Rari, Rari bra that I've got on right now. I also named them after me. Um, best horror story as an RA. Um, I think just anytime you had to wait middle of the night and go deal with some shenanigans and then file a police report. Luckily that only happened a handful of times, nothing like crazy, just people being loud or, you know, smoking or, or something like that. But just, it's like, come on guys. Like I'm not trying to get you in trouble, but you're, you're making it hard for me. So what was your favorite sport to play? Growing up? Yeah. Ah, uh, competitive cheerleading. That's my, that's my first and uh, first passion. And I still miss it to these days. Favorite restaurant in Columbus? North Star. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good one. Um, favorite hair color you've used in a competition? I really miss the red. I used to have red hair and I was, I've been considering like going like super like fire hydrant red. So maybe, maybe I'll do that one day or, or, or something else. <laughs> so best Dylan Malitsky story. <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, can't really think of one off the top of my head, but I'm sure that there was, there was some good times. <laughs> um, craziest trick you ever did as a flyer. Probably would have to be like some sort of like pyramid stunt that we did, like, like regular stunts are just you. And then basket toss is where they toss you. And then pyramid is like where you're like, 
migrating like stunts together and like going over each other and it can get a little crazy because like sometimes you're leaving one group of bases and going to another group of bases so that was always kind of like the sketchiest and there was a lot of learning like oh can we do this like let's try this and so that was probably the scariest so you've done so many amazing things and you have so many you know things under your belt but what do you consider your greatest accomplishment I don't think think of like one thing to be, you know, my greatest accomplishment. I think that just committing myself to various different goals and sticking it out for however long it takes or whatever it takes to get there is what I'm most proud of throughout my life and something that I, you know, strive to do for the rest of my life and also just inspire other people to do that too like I think um, it's easy to feel like "Ah, I could never do that so like I won't even try but just like committing to trying and even if you fail like that's okay because of the person that you are becoming and that it's going to help you you know do your next thing that you might not be able to see from there so I think just that characteristic um, is is what I'm most proud of. Is that where the new name for your new line came from? Grit? The grit. It is actually, it's something that I had been, um, you know, kind of going around in my head for a while. And, um, and actually it's a, it's also an acronym for grace, resiliency, integrity, and tenacity. And um, so those things are just like really core to who I am and, um, as an athlete and just as a person. And so hopefully can, you know, like I said, inspire others to, to feel that same um, drive when they're doing whatever it is in their life that they're doing and trying to accomplish. So what was the coolest thing you did during COVID? Coolest. Uh, building a home gym. I think that was probably the coolest. Uh, we, the, when the gyms closed down here, we were like, uh Oh, what we can't just not work out for an, for an undisclosed amount of time. So luckily, um, Roth's mom lives really close to us and she has a two car garage with high ceiling. It was packed like floor to ceiling with just stuff that you, you know, get for living in a place for 30 years. And she was so kind to let us go through some of that stuff, get rid of it. She was actually planning on moving at the time. So she had gotten rid of some, but then moved the rest of it all inside of her house and completely renovate and take over the garage. Uh, we painted it cool colors and we got a custom rig. So that was probably the coolest thing. And last question, tacos or pizza? Pizza, but tacos are good too. <laughs> I make pizza about two or three times a week. Well, I want to thank you so much, Allison, for being with us. Uh, you were a blast uh, and you've done so much. You're, you're an overachiever by far. <laughs> thank you so much. I'm just happy to be here, you know, getting to do everything, like the things that I love every day. And um, my main mission is to just inspire other people to do the same, you know, like you, I've really felt my whole life that 
if I want to do something, I can try to figure it out and make it work. And I think that that would be just something that I would like other people to, to do as well. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much for listening to the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends in partnership with The Morning Chalk Up. Please consider giving us a five-star rating and leaving us a review. It really helps our podcast. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends.